Dustin can read. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Dustin Can Read. Actually, it's about me writing this time, and it's not just about the story specials, it's actually about me, Dustin, <laughs> uh, writing my very first novel. It's going to be a YA novel, of course, but, um, you know, it's the first time I've ever written a full novel, something longer than a short story or even novella length, which I don't even think I've done that, but, you know, this is how it goes. I sound really awkward when I'm reading off script, guys. <laughs> I really do. But anyway, so I just wanted to talk about my experiences growing up and writing and whatnot, answer some questions that uh, some people were, you know, gracious enough to give me to answer on the air or on the show, not really on the air, whatever. And uh, I'm also going to uh, read a little something else later on. So first, I just wanted to talk about um, how I've been wanting to write a book since I was a tween. I've had so many failed attempts. Well, I even failed, just kind of gave up. There was one that was going to be called um, The Official Journal of Strange Happenings. <laughs> and it was a bunch of uh, stories that I wrote that were really just about me and my friends. And I put us into situations. Oftentimes, they were inspired by things that were happening around me. Uh, there was uh, one that uh, I probably will make into a story special eventually. Um it was about an urban legend up in Pennsylvania, and there was one about a Ouija board. There was one about this uh, beauty pageant we had at my school, and, you know, it was just a fun time. And I was going to put them all together and do a book, but I guess I just had, I don't know, a little bit of insight to know that these were not up to par for a book. It's sad to say, but that's the truth. That's, that's really what went down. So I just didn't write those. Another time I was going to write a, um, a book novelization of The Tomorrow People, which anybody who's seen the, either the CW show that came out a few years ago or the 1970s or show, I think it might have been 70s or 80s, I watched an, uh, a version that came out. Um, it was from the UK and it showed here on Nickelodeon in the 90s. And I just thought it was cool. It was about these kids that teleported and they just, you know, they, they could mind meld basically, you know, and look at shared memories. And they had this like base where there was like an alien spaceship that kind of called to them and helped them in the next stages of evolution. And it was really neat. And I thought it was really cool. And I really wanted to write a whole story. And then I started writing it and I realized I don't have a story here. It's basically just you know, fan fiction and bad fan fiction at that. Again, I was probably like 11 or 12. A lot of the stuff I started writing, I started writing when I was 11 or 12. <laughs> anyway, so um, I actually uh, uh, started writing a little bit more when I was encouraged by my um, seventh grade English teacher, Mr. Carroll, and I went and competed in a local competition called WordQuest. Um, it was basically schools in my county, and they sent kids from all grades, and you were, you know, separated on your grade level, or, or I think maybe they did seventh and eighth grade, and then ninth and tenth, and eleventh and twelfth. I think they kind of did that. I'm not even sure. It's been so long, but. Um, you would go in and they would give you, you know, describe this object and you would have to write a paragraph describing this object. 
And then they would sometimes give you a writing prompt and say, all right, write about this type of situation. And you would have to write so many hundred words on this, you know, scenario that they gave you. And I competed in this and I was so excited because I was like, I know I'm just going to win. I'm going to win. I'm so much better than these people because everybody talked me up to me, you know, and unfortunately, apparently I wasn't good enough at that time or I wasn't meeting the standards set forth by whatever English teachers or whoever was there to judge the competition. And it really was a, a blow to my ego, you know, and I mean, I mean, Everybody should be humbled at some point. No one should think that they are just spectacular and awesome all the time. But when you're a kid growing and you're really trying to be creative and you're you know seen as one of the more creative and inventive people in your class, no one else was writing stories and passing them around the room like I was. You know, no one else was, you know, getting out the video camera and making up little scripts and trying to shoot little videos, you know, with their friends like I was. And so I thought, you know, I'm something special. It's, you know, it's, you know, sad to think that, you know, I, I did, you know, I think that now that it's sad <laughs> in so many words, but I, you know, it's one of those things that I kind of get mad at now because I think back about all the teachers and all the people there who could have offered mentorship or could have given constructive criticism. Um, I had English teachers in the past and they didn't really do a good job at offering critiques. They basically just said, this was bad, or you repeated this too much. And that was it. It wasn't like, what are you trying to say? Or here's an example of something. I think that you're trying to say something like this, or, you know, it really wasn't working with me. It was, it almost felt like they were working against me. And that kind of, put me off of writing for a long, long time. Um, basically, I would just, I, I ended up writing like TV scripts and stuff, stuff that I didn't have to focus too much on the descriptions of things or, you know, how, what this tree meant to this person, which I hate that. Oh my gosh. I don't even know what book it was, but there was like page upon page about describing this stupid tree. And I, ugh. I hate descriptions. I hate them so much. Just give me a basic description and then move on. That's how I feel. But in fairness, I had a lot to learn about constructing a story. Um, an example I will give is when I will read this story that I wrote. It was one of the first stories I've ever written called The Tale of the Moral King. And oh my God, it's so bad, guys. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> Oh my goodness, but I'm going to read it to you later on so you can judge for yourself. Again, it's when I was a tween when I wrote it, so, you know, you can judge for that. And like I said, you know, I needed constructive criticism to help me, you know, from active writers and and readers of the genre that I wanted to be in, you know. Um, when someone reaches out for feedback, it's always... It's always good to give the good and the bad, you know. You don't have to be rude about it. You can just say, are you trying to say this or I'm not understanding this part or, you know, maybe because of the way the sentence is structured that it's confusing me, that kind of stuff. You know, just be honest, but you don't have to be mean. And I want to thank some people, first of all. Um, I want to thank Cameron Chaney 
for inspiring me to write again. Um, I read his book, Autumn Crow, and he was one of my first guests on the show. And it just was really cool to pick his brain and and find out that, you know, he kind of creates things similar to how I create things. But he's, you know, he was always willing to listen to my ideas, even if I'm just rambling. And he's, you know, he's been really good at giving me feedback and whatnot. Um, another person was my second guest, uh, Bryce Gibson, who writes the County Line Horror Books. Um, he's given me great technical advice about, you know, some structure, some, you know, word count, um, you know, per chapter, stuff like that, and how he's grown as a writer, how he used to write this way, and then as he's, you know, started writing more, he's gotten more comfortable and gotten used to the structure of things, Um and he's also inspired me to reach out to more people. Um, another person on that list is Robbie Miles, who's been on the show as well. Uh, Robbie is a teacher, and he, you know, I was really jealous of him because he won a writing contest via R.L. Stein and got to meet the man himself. And it was, oh, and there's a picture on his page. Um, it, just go look it up. If you follow me, you'll be able to find him. Uh, it, you know, he's just. Robbie is just a great guy. He's really enthusiastic and optim. He's an optimist, and um, and that can be really inspiring. Um, finding the love for a subject or a genre, and going for it. It. He's one of my heroes for sure. He's one of them. Others I will give thanks to is Oraline from Spooking Strange podcast. While Oraline is not an active like writer you know she doesn't have any books out or anything like that she is an avid reader of multiple genres so much she reads so much I am just and and she reads things that I feel too intimidated to read oftentimes so when she gives me feedback and tells me this was good I love the way you write it's really encouraging um it helps big time and and she actually really helped me with an Instagram prompt story I did last, I think, August of 2020. Um, I just put out some prompts like, hey, choose something to, you know, for me to, you know, do in this story. And choose something for the character to be. And choose this. And give me a phrase I should use, you know, and, and see how I can fit it in there. It was a good writing exercise I put myself through for no reason whatsoever. And she was a big help in editing that and... Uh, it was really, really nice. And I'll put the link for it in the show notes so you can read that that uh, Instagram prompt story, which is kind of like a short story, point horror type story. You know, YA, of course. And last but not least, Amy McCaw, who is the writer of Mina and the Undead, which came out earlier this year. She, I, I even just posted about her on Twitter. She's such a good person. She took the time to listen and to discuss with me ideas for my book. Um, she helped me see angles I didn't really think about and how I should focus, not just on character types, but on deeper motivations and paying attention to the flow of things. And And she was encouraging because she was like, I wrote this draft and then I went back and said, you know what, I need this. And then I showed it to my editor and they're like, yeah, but you probably want to restructure this. And, and it, it helped me feel better knowing that, you know, just because you don't get it right the first time around that, you know, you can go back and fix it, you know, and I know you can, but, you know, hearing somebody else do it, it's different than just knowing that you can. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that, but that's how I feel. 
So another thing, um, as far as writing goes, I knew I needed to read more if I wanted to write a variety of authors and a variety of genres to help me, you know, more clearly shape my quote voice or my writing style. And this was advice that I read from two, you know, well-renowned authors, Stephen King and R.L. Stein. They both said this, you know, they don't just read, you know, horror. They, they're, you know, they're, they're mainly horror authors, you know, um, obviously um, Stephen King is the big time horror author and R.L. Stein is the, you know, the kid horror author. So hearing that from them, like, Hey, I need to read comedies. I need to read romance. I need to read, you know, different um, scenarios for different types of characters. And that's really why I started doing this show was so that I could read more recent things and um, read things like, uh, you know, I started exploring stuff like uh, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas and Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass by Meg Medina, who also has a great Instagram channel who gives advice all the time on it and does these short little videos and how to build characters or how to, you know, um, build scenarios or build relationships. She's, you need to watch her. Go to her channel, Meg Medina, um, her Instagram channel. I say channel, her page, excuse me. Um, another person is Anne Claire Lazat. when I read Show Me a Sign. And these were all people that were in some way underdogs. You know, um, The Hate You Give is about the black community. Um, Yaki Delgado is, you know, about a girl in the Hispanic community. And you have um, Show Me a Sign, which is about, I didn't know it was a historical fiction at the time, but it's about uh, the deaf community, somebody, some, a community that I'm familiar with. If you listen to the episode, you'll hear more about that. Um, having guests choose some of the books as well helped a lot. Um, I had uh, Gliza from uh, Classical Adventures for One. She chose a Band Book Club by Kim Yun Suk and Ryan Estrada, and that's a graphic novel. And I had uh, Chelsea from the Weird Mom podcast. She chose for us to read a book by Jill Murphy, which a lot of you might know her from Puddin' or Dumplin'. Um, she wrote uh, Side Effects May Vary. All of these were on the podcast. You should listen about these books. Some of them are newer, so I don't give things away. And some of them are a little older, which is my rule, of course. But um, I really appreciated being introduced to some of these because I wouldn't have looked at them twice. I wouldn't have even thought about them, which is a good thing. I'm glad I stepped out of my, my reading comfort zone and learned a little bit more about the way other authors write or their experiences. Because let's face it, if you're reading something by a different author, you're reading some of their experience because, you know, quote, write what you know. And um, you're going to learn a little bit more about yourself, too, and how you feel about things. Another place to go to would be artists, other artists, not just writers, you know, uh, visual artists. There's a lot of them that I follow on Instagram that are like, various like comic strip types or or the kind that just draw based on you know movies and tv shows that they love and another one would be brooks Libby, who helped me who i was introduced from uh steven trigar of the composer chronicles podcast steven has a great podcast he is dedicated to various you know classical pieces modern day scores for movies it's awesome and i just respect the hell out of him for it 
and he put me in touch with Brooks, and Brooks put um, actually put together the score for my uh, story special, the three-part one for the Fear Street parody, The Listener, and he's just a fantastic musician, and I just... He also, you know, he, not only my stuff, he scores for other people's stuff. He also helps and creates his own movies. It's it's awesome. He's just such a cool person. And those type of people can be so inspirational in your life so many different ways, not just writing. So I just, you know, look for those types of people in your life. Now on to NaNoWriMo. So, <laughs> NaNoWriMo. I learned about it about two years ago. I know I'm, I'm really late to the game and I didn't understand it at first. I just saw people writing NaNoWriMo, NaNoWriMo. I'm like, what the hell is this thing? So I found out it is National Novel Writing Month. It's international now, but it you know originally started, I guess, in the U.S. And it's, it's to get writers to come out of their shell and to quickly write up a, a, at least a 50,000 word novel in 30 days through the month of November. Um, after I found out about it the first year, the second year I'd just forgotten about it because it was so new to me and I came into it late. I was like, I just can't do this. this is, I, I don't have everything planned out. I have no idea what I would write. So I just didn't do it. And I felt really bad because I was like, you know what, next year, next year, I am going to do this. I'm going to conquer this bitch. <laughs> and so I've been kind of planning for it. Not exactly for NaNoWriMo, but it happened to fall into a time when I was really gearing up to write my book this year. And I had already been thinking up things. And so I thought, even though I started a little late, I started about a week late and I still got some catching up to do. Hopefully I can do it. You know, even if I don't, it's okay. You know, I, I, there, I went to the website and I signed up. The website is NaNoWriMo. Like, like I just said, National Novel Writing Month. Just take the first letters of those words, nanorimo.org. And it's filled with, it's not even just for November, this this website. It's, it's for an all-year-round thing. Um, they have workshops and blank templates to, like, help you construct your characters or your story. There's writing groups, depending on your region or area of interest. It's, you know, there's, it's a lot. There is a lot, and if you're trying to jump in last minute, it's very overwhelming. It's still overwhelming to me. Um, it's very intimidating, actually, to see how many people are doing this, and you're thinking, how am I going to you know, compete? You know, So it, it's okay. If you don't get it done in time, it's not the end of the world. The, the whole point is you started. You started writing, and that's what I'm taking from it. So even if I don't match the 50,000 words, and actually my personal goal would be 70,000 words, that's just me, um, I, you know, I, I think that I'll be able to at least get to a point where I'm like, I can finish this. Even if I don't finish at the end of November, I know that I'll be confident enough to say, I'm going to finish this book. And I might give myself a, an extended den deadline to the end of December or January or whenever I can get it finished, but I'm going to finish it, damn it. And that's the whole point of the thing, I think. I think it's about inspiring you to to write, just to get it out there. My problem is that I'm not one of these stream of conscious writers. I don't just write, 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 and then think, I'm going to edit this later, or I'm going to add this in later. Because my mind works so fast, which is why, again, I think I have ADHD. 
Um, <laughs> my mind works so fast that I will instantly forget a great idea unless I write it down or put it somewhere. So if I am in the middle of writing, I'm like, oh man, I need to add this to the beginning of that chapter or the beginning of this paragraph instead to explain what I'm talking about here or so that I can you know, go into something else. I will do it. I'm, I edit as I go. I can't help it. I'm just one of those people. I know there's going to be stuff that I'm going to go have to go back later and really revamp and, you know, shape a little better. But, you know, I, I, at least for now, I'm going to get out what I want to get out, how I want to get it out. So <laughs> that's just who I am. So, you know, just make sure that if you're like me and you feel overwhelmed, that it's okay to go at your own pace. Now on to listener questions. So I reached out on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, some of my friends, some of them who've been on the show, actually most of them have, <laughs> but they're, they were kind enough to give me some questions to answer, and maybe, you know, it'll inspire you, or just, you know, a little trivia, a little Dustin trivia in your life. So I'm going to read them in no particular order, really, but it almost looks like it's alphabetical the way I have it laid out. It's not. I didn't mean to do it that way, but, you know. So the first would be from Shelly, my dear friend Shelly from the UK, who is the brains behind the blog of uh, uh, talesofyesterday.co.uk, and also she heads up the Tales of Point Horror Book Club on Instagram. She, you know, I, I said, give me some writing questions, give me some podcast questions, give me just some random questions, you know, tomfoolery. So she said, all right, here's some lighthearted tomfoolery for you. So to start us off, that's what I'm going with. She asks, for Christmas, you decide to be, or I'm guessing I get the opportunity to be, <laughs> turned into a vampire. Which vampire will you ask you, will you ask to do the deed? So I'm thinking I would probably ask somebody from the vampire diaries, namely either someone like Caroline Forbes or Elijah Michelson, who's also one of the originals, one of the original vampires. And my reason for that is because they aren't really like feral. Uh, they're not instantly evil. They have souls from what I get. And, you know, they're not like Buffy or anything like that. They don't get like gangly looking, crazy looking face. They're not like true blood where they're just, you know, so sinister there's something about you know true blood vampires they're all kind of not really trustworthy so i would rather the vampire diaries because it seems like they get to keep their personalities for the most part now they can turn off their emotions if something's really bothering them or if they lose a loved one or they just don't want to feel something they'll turn it off and it's hard for them to turn it back on because their friends or their family has to like rally around them and hey you need to turn this crap back on but you know for the most part they're not bad um that's the reason why I would want to be them. She also asks what my favorite TV show I have watched this year and why. And she specified it doesn't have to be for an episode. But, you know, that's such a tough question. I love TV so much. <laughs> I really do. I watch so much TV, guys. It's it's That's the reason why I'm like, why can't you just get this stuff written faster? Because I have TV shows to watch. <laughs> I have things I want to keep up with. And that's just, that's who I am. I can't help it. But, you know, I'm just going to go with uh, the subject of my next Dustin Can Watch episode, which is Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. 
I've talked about it before on the show, but I'm currently re-watching, currently re-watching it for a December episode. And it's a, it's a jukebox musical. It's full of familiar songs, you know, and, like I love. It's funny and it's heartbreaking at the same time. I can't tell you, I forgot some of the stuff that happens. And as I'm watching this every morning before work, I am bawling my eyes out. Just going, oh my God. Some of it's happy cries. Sometimes it's, you know, really sad cries. It's a great show. But I'll, I'll get to, I'll relate, I'll get into that much more when the episode comes out. But that's the, that's the TV show that I am most responsive to lately. Other than stuff like, you know, what we do in the shadows and the stuff I've, in Gossip Girl and whatnot that I've covered on the show. But yes, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is my number one show right now. Next up is Cameron Chaney, host of Library Macabre on YouTube and the author of Autumn Crow. Hey, Cameron. He asked me, and this was funny, I had to clarify with him. He said, do you plot or pants your work? And I asked him, pants? Is this a new term? And he was like, yeah, you know, and basically what it is, I guess, I don't know where it came from, but the way I read into it is that when you pants somebody, it's instant. You see everything. It's it's right there. There's just, there's no buildup. It's there. And I guess when you plot it, you're building up to something. You're outlining. There's no, you know, there's no tease <laughs> with pantsing. So that's the way I saw it. I don't know. It's kind of similar to another question that Shelley and author Amy McCall asked me when Amy asked me, um, what does your writing process look like? But that's pretty much the same thing. Um, I do character profiles first, usually. I like to build their names. I like their names to mean something, but I don't want their names to be too weird. Um, I just, I think that kind of gets hokey after a while. I like some average names. Maybe a few of them will have different names because actually in my life, I met some people who have some really unique names that I'd never heard before. And a lot of them I dated, but you know, I, I like to do that. I like to, to, to modify, get, get their, their personalities out there, who they are, who they're related to, you know, and then I plot a basic idea of what I want to happen, but not too detailed. I don't do step-by-step step what's going to happen in this chapter, what's going to happen in this chapter. I've tried it. I've tried it before, and it always changes drastically. It's not even just a little change. It's like, well, I want this. Actually, I want the story to go in this direction, so if that happens, I got to completely change the first chapter, and I've got to change this and this and that. So I just said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that at all. I just like the story to tell itself mostly. I have an idea of where I want it to go, and that's where I'm going to go with it. So I'm basically relying on the characters that I create to take me there. And it's really weird, but it, it works for me anyway. It works for me. I've done all my short stories and stuff like that, so I figured why not do it in the book form. So, you know, fingers crossed that works out. He also asked if I had any writing rituals and he said he's always curious to hear how other writers do it. And I don't. I don't really have any writing rituals other than, you know, telling you how I plot things out or create the characters. I just sit down and I write. I don't have a certain time of day. I don't have, you know, I don't drink a certain beverage. I don't do, you know, I don't, you know, call to the four corners or anything like that. <laughs> I, you know, I just, you know, I... I it, for, it works for me, you know, I just, you know, unless you count the bloodletting, you know, I guess you could say that. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not on Bloodlet. That's ugh. Next is Brucker from Autopsy of a Horror Movie Podcast. Hi, Brucker. Uh, he asked me, what is a novel that I'd like to reboot myself if I could? And how would I make it different? It took me a minute. I was like, wow. You know, most stuff I like. If I read it, if I'm into it, you know, unless it's just something that just I had to put down. One of those, you know, do not finish DNF. Um, I... I could, it took me a minute and I started thinking, well, you know what, just with, you know, this past year and the trilogy and my trilogy parody and everything, I kind of wanted to, I just said, if I could, I would redo Fear Street, but not the integrity of it all. I would basically just update the continuity because there's so many varying stories that kind of conflict um, for later at later books and they don't go along with stuff that was said in the earlier books and stuff like that. Just, just cleaning up the continuity a little bit, but you know, I want to give it more of a timeline and a sequence of events kind of, and more maybe reoccurring characters. Cause they used to have more recurring characters in the beginning and then it just kind of stopped. So, you know, I, I think they work great as standalones as well, but I want to give them a little bit more depth and, you know, and everything like that, and, and maybe just update them for people of color and for the LGBT community and all that stuff, but keep the integrity of the books. And Brucker's fiance, his wonderful, beautiful fiance cat, also gave me a couple of questions. She asked, Where do I find inspiration in my writings? And this is something that I also I share with Cameron. We often get inspired by our dreams. And I do, I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so vivid. And so, wow, I've got to tell somebody about this. And if that's what my mind thinks, the second I wake up, I get out a piece of paper or I grab my phone and write in my notes. And I'm just writing down every single thing that happened in that dream. And hopefully I can use it somewhere. And hopefully it's good. <laughs> hopefully it usually sparks some kind of story idea or a situation in a story, uh, Sometimes everyday mundane things, like tasks or just things you do every day, they just my mind drifts, and I wonder, you know what? No one really talks about this, or what would happen if this happened right now? And that kind of inspires a story, too, sometimes. She also asked me, what inspired me to start writing? And this is something that was kind of neat. So, you know, everybody says goosebumps, and goosebumps did inspire me. To, to start writing, you know, but also, are you afraid of the dark? And the reason why is because they were exciting stories about kids by kids. And, you know, the lead, they were the leads, the kids were the leads and the adults just didn't really get to have a say in what was going on. And I loved that. And I was a kid and I was like, I want to do that. I want to be in charge. I want to be able to map my own story out. So I did. And it was really cool. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's really awesome and inspiring. So thank you, Kat, for those questions. Then I had somebody who has not written to the show yet, but it is really cool. And I love her podcast, uh, Maya from the Illusory Time podcast. Let me tell you about her podcast real quick. She is a historian. She talks about a lot of things throughout history 
and ask if, you know, is time an illusion? Are we doomed to repeat things? And, you know, and really cool stuff like that. I really got into her Salem witch trial, um, her Salem Oracle stories. Every month she updates on what was happening in Salem at this time on this month and gives you really detailed accounts of the people and the horrible things that happened in Salem. So you should definitely go listen to Illusory Time podcast. It's, It's really good. And I would, I would recommend that you start with the Salem Oracle stories, and she does them every month. Um, if she misses a month, she basically will just combine two months and tell you about it. And then sometimes she has guests on. She's also done stuff like the Donner Party and how everything led up to, on their trip and how it led up to them being stranded and how they eventually, be, the cannibalism came into play. And everybody knows about the cannibalism, but there's a lot more to that story, and I thought that was really neat too. She hasn't gotten to the cannibalism part, but... I'm really anxious to hear about it. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of morbid, but, you know, can't help myself. So she asks, how do you stay motivated while writing? And I don't really, I had to, I had to think about this, but really it's just encouragement from others is very helpful. People asking about it, people just saying, hey, I really liked this, or, you know, listen to the story special that you made and it was really good, or somebody just, you know, sharing my page or sharing my podcast to somebody, it really, it's encouraging. And it makes me go, you know what? I can keep doing this. I can keep going. Somebody likes it. I'm going to keep going. But really it's about reminding myself of how much I want to tell the story, how much passion I have behind it. It's more about that than anything, the passion. It's more about the passion than any deadlines I have. It's, but I mean, don't get me wrong. Deadlines help for sure. Deadlines are, you know, if I have a deadline, I could whip something out like, like that, you know, and it's, I don't know how, I don't know where it comes from either. Just something just emits from me. It's like, all right, let's go. Boom. So, you know, I think that's another reason why NaNoWriMo is probably why I'm going that route because there's a deadline involved and I just want to make sure that I get it done. Daniel from Iron Rain of Books on YouTube. He was in my Tristan Strong episode. Hey, Daniel. He asked me what my favorite horror trope is. And I have a few, actually. There's a lot of, I look, I was like, horror tropes. I just went and Googled horror tropes. And I was like, oh my God, there's a lot of horror tropes. <laughs> so I went, all right. Well, I mean, I like haunted house stories. I like um, vampires, obviously. But I also like chase scenes. Something about chase scenes by from a killer, you know, of some sort. It really... You know, how are they going to get away or what obstacles do they have to go through? Are they going to stop and they're going to turn around? They're going to fight. Are they going to fall down? You know, something about that. It's very, I don't know. It reminds me of like dreams I used to have as a kid, you know, and, and getting and getting stuck or not being able to scream or not being able to hit, you know, oh my God, I hate those. I hate those dreams. When you go back to hit somebody. And then it's just like you just tapped them, <laughs> but your fist is full and you really took a swing and it's like, ding, it's like, oh, kills me, kills me. Oh, man. But yeah, horror stories I like, haunted house stories, ghost stuff, vampires, and of course, chase scenes. Last but certainly not least is my good friend Dustin S., from the Sandman Stories Presents podcast. He gave me quite a few questions here. <laughs> he went in sequence, and this is on Twitter. So um, he asked me, what hooks me in a new book or a TV show? 
And that's hard to think of. I'm like, what what makes me think I like this? And I think it's the likability of characters and how I relate to their reactions when they encounter some kind of crazy situation or some kind of obstacle. I have to like the character. I can't I if I watch a show and I instantly or read a book and I instantly just do not like the character, I cannot finish it. Even if I can't find any kind of common ground. There's been some unlikable characters that people do not like watching shows and I end up watching it and I like it. But I like I, there has to be something I can relate to and understand within them. That's what I really mean when I say like the character. I have to understand them and their motives and can relate to them. And I think that that's really what draws me into a a book or a TV show, namely a TV show, but for books as well. He also asked me, what is an example of good writing and why? And that's kind of, I guess, subjective to the person. But for me, any story that can keep me guessing or it helps expand my mind is is something that I think is good writing. If an author can lead me down like several paths of a possible outcome in a situation and then somehow blindside me with something I didn't think of, but it feels familiar or probable, I respect that. And I also think that you know good writing allows for varying degrees of readers. So that's the reason why I like, um, I lean towards young adult and middle grade books, mainly young adult. But I, you know, I once read that adult books are written for adults and that's who relates to those. And I'm sure, you know, young kids can read them and stuff, but they really don't understand everything. Have you ever gone back and watched something from when you were a kid and you go, Oh wow, I see this from a completely different angle. And that, Oh, that makes completely different sense. Now it's the same thing. you know, I think that children's books are written for everyone. Everyone can relate to them because we've all been through adolescence. We've all been there. And I've said this before, I think, but yeah, we've all been there. That's the reason why I watch a lot of teen shows. That's why I read YA because everybody has been a kid. Most people have grown up with a parent or, you know, been stuck at home or they've gone to school and we've all had similar experiences. It's when we become adults and we leave home that our experiences vary. We either go straight to college or we go get jobs or we get pregnant or something. We go off to the military and that's when, you know, our experiences vary, you know, and you, that's when that becomes adult fiction or even new adult, if you, if you will. So I think that YA is that's one of those things you can relate to the most. Dustin S also asked me, how did I get into horror? And it's kind of the same answer to Kat's question. It's R.L. Stein books and are you afraid of the dark? It's about figuring your way out of tough situations and, you know, life and death. You know, I think about the psychology of it all. I think about that a lot, actually, like, fight or flight or you know how do you figure out this problem and it's a big issue for me how do you survive each day even if it isn't horror you know it's just how do you get through it all how do you you know withstand the horrors in your own mind sometimes so that's really what got I'm, I'm really into the psychology type angle of it all and philosophy and whatnot and his last question <laughs> He asked me, how good is Worst Witch Tim Curry? 
And all I have to say, so good. If you love Tim Curry, you will love the 1986 Worst Witch. And, I mean, just listen to my Worst Witch episode with Dustin. He's awesome. Um, (laughs) We had such a good time. I love, 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 love Tim Curry, especially 1980s Tim Curry. You know, Rocky Horror, which was actually late 70s. But Clue and just, you know, he's just awesome. I love him. And I, I hate that he's had strokes and whatnot now. And I, you know, I wish him the best, but I mean, I'll always have the worst witch, Tim Curry, because it was my first introduction to him. So thank you for that, Mr. Curry. So I want to end on some positive advice for those who, who are writing novels and want to get an agent at some point to, or to sell to a major publisher, which I want to do, obviously. Um, I don't want to go the self-publishing route right away. If I have to one day, then I will, but not right away for me. On Twitter, I saw a, uh, a writer. Um, her name is at Clary Rob Writes. That's Clary, C-L-A-R-E-Y-R-O-B-W-R-I-T-E-S. And she's also participating in NaNoWriMo. Um, she gave some really positive advice that I liked. And it says, quote, If anyone's interested in my little querying rejection reward system, this is it. Well, querying meaning sending out your your stuff for agents. She says, absolutely zero punishing myself for trying something hard going on over here. And what she did was she's giving, it's basically a reward system for her rejections, which I thought was really cool and unique. So she wrote her first rejection she gets, she's going to give herself a donut or another yummy treat. Okay. After 10 rejections, she's going to get herself a new notebook. 20 rejections, a whole book haul, a whole bunch of books. 30 rejections, a nice meal out on the town. 40 rejections, go on a fun day trip. And after 50 rejections, just take herself to the spa because you know what? You deserve it. I just, I absolutely just love this advice. And I will be incorporating this, um, my own rewards, obviously. I strongly encourage you to do the same if that's something you're going to be doing, if you're going to be querying or sending out for agents out there. Um, and also follow Clary Rob Writes at Clary Rob Writes on Twitter. And just she just seems like a really cool person. I'm glad I did. I just did recently, and she just seems really cool. So now I'm going to read whew, The Moral King. <laughs> Get ready for this, guys. This is crazy. Oh, my goodness. The Tale of the Moral King by young Dustin Holton. Our story takes place in a town of trouble. Everyone here is different than you or me. There are some similar facts between this town and yours. For example, everyone does the same thing we all do every day. They all go to school and they all cut their lawns. They are just like us, except for one thing. None of them have any conscience. That is why, one day back in 1793, God took pity on the little town. He sent a man to come up with a solution to the town's problems. The man's name was Dr. Austin Rudnick. He was the town's only hope. Rudnick was a wise man of 53 when he arrived in the town. He was skilled in almost everything. He guided the town through their troubles as best he could. He even learned some morals that he wrote down in case of an emergency. Then, one day, he died at the age of 97. 
the whole town was in an uproar, looking for all the morals that they needed to live their lives. Rudnick's power lived on when his great-grandson, Lucas Rudnick, found his ancestors' morals hidden in a secret hallway that had been locked up for at least a few centuries. Lucas was kind of a jokester, so he played pranks on the people of the town, making them each learn a moral. One day, in the late winter, Lucas took a joke quite too far. He had been tormenting the townspeople for the last time. The whole town, one foggy night, struck him dead in his sleep. No one had any regrets of what they did that fatal night. They all went back to their air-conditioned homes, and they forgot all about it. Until... Everything had been fine for the last weeks of winter, and spring was approaching fast. The townspeople were still troubled, though, and they didn't have anyone to help them out anymore. Until one cool night in early spring, the ghost of Lucas Rudnick rose from his grave. Lucas knew what he was doing. He was going to pay the entire town back for what they did to him. He had just the thing that would do it, too. A moral. All he had to do was to give the town a moral. Friday night, Lucas came back to haunt the people. He didn't come back as himself, though. He came back as a pirate who had lost his treasure. And whoever could find it would get to keep it. The townspeople couldn't believe this. No more would their families starve at the cost of the recession. Saturday morning came around the next day. The town was striving to get that treasure. They even were killing each other to get to it. The last clue to find the treasure had finally been found. The only thing was, the whole town was full of ghosts. Everyone had killed each other to get to the fortune first. Well, the townspeople weren't going to let their being dead to stop them. <laughs> Sorry. They had worked so hard at finding the treasure, they were determined to get it. So when everyone gathered around at the town hall Sunday evening, they all looked in amazement. For there, in front of every one of their spirits, was the treasure chest that the pirate said all of the money would be in. But when the dead mayor looked into the big box, all he saw was a note pinned to the bottom. Everyone was so disappointed. They all just wanted to kill themselves all over again. So, some of the people urged the mayor to read it aloud. When he did, it said, quote, Can't we all just get along? Wah, wah. The end. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Well, there you go. I've come a long way. <laughs> That's it for this special episode of Dustin Can Read. Thank you for listening. See you next week when Jack of Jack Reacts Blog joins me to recap the entire Fear Street Knights trilogy from 2005. And after that, I'm going to have Stephen from Creek Talk, Dawson's Creek Podcast, return to dive into the hopefully revived TV series, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, just as the holiday movie Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas debuts on the Roku Channel app. For free, by the way. It'll be free. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or on Instagram at Dustin Can Read or reach out for me at on my Gmail at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. If you want to support me, feel free to you know, leave me a tip on buymeacoffee.com slash DustinCanRead where I'll be you know giving some more writing updates very soon. 
But that's all for now. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, Dustin can read. <laughs> <laughs>